Luke chapter 22, beginning at verse 14. Are you ready? I heard of several yips and one or two nopes. So if you're one of the nopes, just look up towards the screen because it's ready for you. Verse 14, and when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I will tell you that from now on. I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is a new covenant in my blood. Father, thank you for your word. I'm asking you today to help me explain properly to your people what they need to understand this morning about Eucharist. And about how that that knowledge will allow them to live successfully, productively, and positively in their lives, and particularly through this Thanksgiving season. Lord, I need you today. I always need you. I'm always dependent upon you, particularly today, Father, in a, in a subject that is probably one that is, uh, has more knowledge and instruction than it does feel good and shouting. And Lord, for us, for we Pentecostals, that can be difficult. But Lord, help us to realize that when knowledge comes to us and is combined then with wisdom, which is the anointing, that it releases us into a new way of living. And as you said, Jesus, a new covenant that we can now live in because of your blood. So help me to speak effectively today and let your people hear with anointed ears that when they leave, they will leave with knowledge that will set them free. The truth will set us free. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you today, but I'm at a place in my relationship with the Lord where I'm just sick and tired of doing religious stuff for the sake of doing religious stuff. I, I don't have any time to lose. I'm, I'm soon to be 58 years old, and that's young. Amen? Say praise the Lord. I, I've got hopefully a lot of years left, but I am just turning that corner where I, I'm just cutting stuff out of my life that don't mean a whole lot, that doesn't mean a whole lot to me. I want the truth of God's Word. I've been raised in the church and raised in the Pentecostal church, and I have received communion all my life. And I've received it sometimes really not knowing what it was that was happening and what the experience was supposed to produce in my life. 
So I felt led of the Spirit today to share some information with you before we receive communion. We typically do communion around here once a month. Whether you like it or not, we do it. And sometimes, and many of you may not even really realize what is behind it. So after today, I believe uh, that you'll have a little information and you'll be able to receive it with some knowledge that you've not had in the past. So today I want to talk to you about this idea of Eucharist, about communion, about the Lord's Supper. Now, years ago, the church started the tradition of the Lord's Supper. In fact, it goes all the way back to Jesus' time when he institutes the Lord's Supper. And we see in Acts chapter 2 as the church is developing its infrastructure around these uh, sacraments that Jesus has has instituted. And we see that in Acts chapter 2, there were four things that they were interested in doing on a regular basis. First of all, it was doctrine. They wanted to know what doctrine they should be believing. They didn't want to believe doctrine for the sake of believing it. They wanted to know what Jesus had to say about how we should live this life. They were also interested in fellowshipping with other saints, with other people who were like them, that believed like them. And so they spent a great amount of time in fellowship and they prayed together. Wouldn't it, man, wouldn't it be amazing if we started praying together much more than we already do? But they were interested in that. And then the fourth thing that they were interested in doing on a regular basis is what Scripture calls the breaking of bread, or we refer to it as communion. So now today I want to look at this from three different aspects. First of all, I want us to take a look at removing some of the clutter of tradition that is involved with this sacrament of communion. And then we're going to talk about how to properly receive communion. And then we're going to close with answer the question, answering the question, why do we have communion? Why do we participate in the Lord's Supper? So let's start with removing the clutter of tradition. There are some things that I feel like that we need to understand and know. First of all, you need to know that what we call communion really doesn't matter. The name does not matter. Through the years, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 20, we see it referred to as the Lord's Supper one time in Scripture. One time we see the Lord's Table in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 21. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16, it is called communion on two separate occasions. And then in Acts chapter 2, it's called breaking bread. I'm getting hungry, aren't you? All this talk about bread's making me hungry. I just naturally think about donuts when I start thinking about bread. Amen? But what I want you to get here is it doesn't matter what you call it. What matters is the importance of it. Secondly, where you receive communion does not matter. The place does not matter. If I were to ask you where is the church, you likely would say, well, the church is at 6901 Outer Loop in Louisville, Kentucky. And you know what? You would be wrong, baby, because you are the church. I am the church. We collectively are the church. And wherever we show up, the church is active in the world today. 
I am the church. You are the church. So the church is the people. It is not a place. And so the breaking of bread can be done wherever the church is. We can have communion here. We can receive it here. I know a lot of people that receive communion every day of their life at home. They go into the kitchen and they prepare the elements and they receive it on a daily basis. Wherever the church is, communion can be experienced. Thirdly, the type of bread does not matter. Now, let me explain that to you a little bit because I, I now can I just be open and honest with you today? Is that okay? I hate these little things right here. I just, I've been praying for somebody to get the anointment of God, as one old southern preacher used to say, and decide, pastor, from here on out, I'm going to bake the bread every month for us to have communion so that we don't have to get choked up on those little cardboard discs that we call bread. The bread does not matter. It doesn't matter if it's one of these. I equally hate those little squares. I don't like those either. I t- really, we should have the bread and come and tear it off of the loaf, but we're so health conscious these days and politically correct that we don't want our fingers to be in the same, on the same bread as someone else. If I have to eat off the same loaf, I'm not going to do it. But the bread does not matter. Why did Jesus use unleavened bread? The reason that he used unleavened bread was because they weren't celebrating communion. They were celebrating the Passover. And the Old Testament Passover required that they used unleavened bread, which simply means it had no yeast in it. And after that, though, we don't see the requirement in communion for it to be unleavened bread. It just refers to the bread. And so next, next time we do communion, I want somebody to bring a box of Krispy Kreme donuts. And we're going to anoint that to be the bread of life. Amen. The type of bread that we use doesn't matter. And so we can relax about that. And then fourthly, what's in the cup does not matter. I've had people come by and say, what's in that cup? Well, I don't know what's in it. But I may have stuck my finger in it just just to sweeten it up a bit. This is white grape juice. The scripture does talk about the fruit of the vine. Jesus was referring to some type of grape juice or wine. That's what he was referring to. But scholars believe that it would be just as appropriate to use apple juice because it too is a fruit of the vine. But what he's saying here is, is that whatever is in the cup, and some say, well, is it intoxicating wine? Let me tell you something. If you can get drunk on that, you have a serious problem. But we do not use alcoholic wine because there are people in our fellowship who have problems, addictive problems, when it comes to alcohol. And so we do not do that to put a stumbling block in front of them. That's just plain old white grape juice. Somebody said, Pastor, we used to use red grape juice, and we changed to white. What's wrong? I mean, we're moving too quickly into this contemporary way of thinking. 
Can I tell you why we switch from red to white? Because of the color of the carpet. Some of you could not get out of the sanctuary without spilling your grape juice on the carpet. And the custodians had to try to get that purple, uh, purple grape juice out of the carpet. So I said one day, under a great anointing of the Holy Spirit, I said, why don't we just switch to white grape juice? The angels began to sing. Birds began to fly. I mean, it was, it was amazing. They said, Pastor, that's the reason you're here. You're so smart. So the kind of liquid that we put in that cup doesn't matter because it's symbolic anyway, as you're about to see in just a few moments. The way we serve it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we come down front and you come up and get it or we come back there to you. By the way, this week we're going to actually come back there to you. You can say praise the Lord now. But it doesn't matter how we serve it. Some churches use these beautiful uh, uh, pieces of, of, of uh, what, do you, what would you call that, that communion set. They have a beautiful table that sets up front. And, and, and sometimes the, the pastor gets out his priestly robe and puts it on and, and comes out to, to, to honor the Lord and all that. But none of that really matters at all. It doesn't matter how we distribute it. It only matters that we receive it. In fact, we're told the only instruction that we're given is in Luke chapter 22, verse 17, where Jesus said, take this and distribute it among yourselves. That's all he says about it. And so however we choose to distribute that will be okay. I know some churches that have communion stations that are set up. They'll have tables at the front that are set up with communion. They'll have communion tables set up in the foyer where you can take your family and you can go to the communion table and, and receive communion as a family. It, it's perfectly acceptable. We don't do it that way, but that doesn't mean it's wrong or unacceptable because the way we serve it doesn't matter. When we break bread doesn't matter. Acts chapter 20 implies that they were doing it weekly. Acts chapter 2 implies that they were receiving communion daily. And then we see in another place, Acts chapter 20, where it is called the Lord's Supper because it was received in the evening. So they had to be Pentecostal like me. I'm going to eat every day. I'm going to eat every week. And I'm not only going to eat at supper. I'm going to eat at breakfast and lunch and supper. Amen. It doesn't matter when you receive it as long as you do receive it. The way the emblems are displayed doesn't matter. What do I mean by that? It doesn't matter if you're standing. It doesn't matter if you're sitting. It doesn't matter if you're laying smack dab in the middle of the floor. In fact, the scripture tells us at the Lord's Supper, they were reclining at the Lord's table. They actually laid over on their side up against pillows and had dinner together and then supped laying down. I don't know if I could do that. I need to be upright. I'm afraid it'll get stuck somewhere between the mouth hole and the stomach. Amen. So I like to sit straight up. My son, Jonathan, he used to like, he, he used to like to get done eating very quickly. And then he would just get up from the table and lay down on the floor while everybody else was still eating. We'd say, what in the world are you doing? He'd just, he'd say, well, I, I'm just digesting what I just took in. 
Let, let me tell you, it won't take you that long to digest this piece of cardboard that you're about to have in just a few minutes. But it doesn't matter how they are displayed. Somebody might be upset because I got mine out early today. I have mine out before you do. Well, pastor, you know, he's always got to be the one first going and all that. No, I got it so I could use it and illustrate today. It doesn't matter that I got it out of there before you did because that does not matter. The bread and cup are just symbols and emblems. Now, I need for you to sit real still for the next few minutes because I'm going to say some words that you may not be able to understand and I may not be able to say them properly. But basically, there are three theological beliefs as to the significance of these elements. In the year eight, excuse me, 1215 AD, the Pope declared that from that point forward, the Catholic Church would believe that once the bread and the wine was anointed by the priest that it literally changed in substance and became the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. So a miracle took place that after the pope or after the, the priest anointed it and prayed for it, a miracle took place that causes this bread to no longer be a piece of cardboard, but literally the flesh of the blood Jesus Christ, uh, the, the flesh of Jesus Christ. And, and the juice then became the blood of Christ miraculously. Here you go. It's called transubstantiation. Transubstantiation. And that's what some people believe. They believe that once these elements are anointed and prayed over, that they literally change into the actual body and blood of Jesus Christ. Then there's another group of theologians that believe in consubstantiation. Consubstantiation. Which means that the bread does not turn into the body of Christ and the blood, or the, the wine does not turn into the blood of Christ, but through a supernatural anointing, the Spirit of God comes among it and becomes a part of it, but it doesn't miraculously change it. It's more of a, an atmosphere that is created where the Spirit of God might come and live among the bread and the wine. It's consubstantiation. Now, some of you are thinking, now, where do we fall in all of this, Pastor? Where do Pentecostals fall? Well, I, I, I'll tell you where we fall. We don't ascribe to trans, uh, transubstantiation, and we don't subscribe to consubstantiation. Take that out of the video, if you will. We believe in simply what is called symbolism. We believe that this piece of cardboard bread is simply a symbol that reminds us of the flesh of Jesus Christ. And that this cup is a symbol that reminds us of the blood that was shed for us. And what makes it important to us is our faith in Jesus Christ. I don't need to actually eat a piece of Jesus' flesh 
All I need to do is believe that he shed his blood and gave his body for us. So the bread and the cup are simply symbols, we believe, of the representation of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. So now, we have talked about some of the traditions of the church. Now, the next question that we talk about is, how do you receive communion? How do you do it? Well, Scripture gives us seven things that must be done. The first is, is that we have to take the bread. In other words, we have to hold it as part of our being. We take the bread. And then the next thing that we do is we give thanks for it. Now, it's not talking about giving thanks for this piece of cardboard bread. It's talking about giving thanks for what it represents. The fact that Jesus Christ laid down his life at Calvary and gave his body so that you and I would not have to pay the price for our sins. So we give thanks. Then we eat it. Then we take the cup. And then we give thanks. And then we drink it. And then finally, we have to do all of that according to Scripture in a way that is holy and worthy before God. Very simple. But there's a principle in there that should set you on fire. It's the principle of Eucharist. Now, when we think about Eucharist, we think about receiving communion. We think about the Lord's table. But do you know what Eucharist means in reality? The word Eucharist is a Greek word that just simply means thanksgiving. That's all it means. It just means thanksgiving. So what he is saying here is, is that in every aspect of communion or the Lord's table or the Lord's supper, that we are to have an attitude and actions that are permeated with thanksgiving. We are to do it with thanks. We are to do it with praise. We are to do it with gratitude. And it is the principle of Eucharist. And so what we're learning here is that when we act or when we think with thanksgiving, we are participating in Eucharist. So what that, what that means is, is that whatever I'm doing and wherever I am, if I'm doing it with a heart of thanksgiving, I am participating in Eucharist. I may not be eating bread and drinking wine, but if my heart is full of thanksgiving and gratitude, I am operating in the principle of Eucharist. As we come into this week of thanksgiving, we can go through all the motions and never have a, a spirit of thanksgiving or gratitude. Or we can say, I am the body of Jesus Christ. He lives within me and so every attitude that I possess and every action that flows out of me will be participating in the Eucharist. Amen. I know a whole lot of sour people in this world, don't you? It, would it be okay for me to just say I know a whole lot of Christians that they don't have any idea what it is to operate in the Eucharist. They don't have a clue what it means to get up every morning and say, thank you, Jesus, for another day. Thank you that this is the day that you have made. 
thank you that I have health in my body. And if I don't have health in my body, thank you that you took stripes upon your back so that I can be healed. Thank you that my sins are washed away as far as the east is from the west and that you will never remember it against me again. Thank you, Lord, that I have energy to do what you've called me to do. Thank you, Lord, that my life has been blessed by your hand. Thank you that even if I don't have blessing all around me, I'm still blessed because I have the spirit of the living God living within me. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my husband. Thank you for my spouse. Thank you for my church. Thank you for my job. God, I'm getting up today and I'm putting on the atmosphere of Eucharist. I am going to be a child of God that is filled with thanksgiving. Man, isn't it great that we can celebrate Eucharist every moment of every day? You don't have to have bread in your hand and wine in your cup. It's an attitude that the people of God can possess. You look at the politics and some of you lost your Eucharist uh, on the night of the election. But let me tell you, the Spirit of the Lord God spoke to me and said, Son, it's not about politics. It never was. It's about practically living out uh, the Spirit of God that is placed within you. Uh, It's not about politics. It's about loving people that need to be loved. It's about stretching a hand to someone who is in need. It's about giving a cup of water, a glass of water in the name of Jesus. It doesn't matter what the skin color is. It doesn't matter where they came here to our country from. As Christians, we are called to celebrate Christ in us by reaching out to those who are in need. Eucharist. Eucharist. So how do you do that? Well, number one, we have to honor Christ and all that we do. It's about him. So when we celebrate Eucharist, when we celebrate communion, it's about him. It's not about you. I know people who receive communion because they feel that it's about the blessing that they will receive. And listen, you'll be blessed. Because you'll realize all of the benefits of Christ Jesus in your life. But it is not about you. It is about honoring the Lord Jesus Christ through the Lord's Supper. There are people who come and receive communion every week. And they don't know why they're receiving communion. They they just do it because everyone else is doing it. You won't do it anymore. Because you just heard this pastor preach one of the most boring sermons you've ever heard in your life about why we receive communion and participate in the Eucharist. But you'll be responsible for that information. You'll be responsible for that knowledge. And you'll never be able to receive the Eucharist and communion again because you'll know now the truth and the truth will set you free. It's about him. We're not going to come just because, well, I don't want to go up there because if I stay back at my seat, somebody will think I got sin in my life. Because if I don't go up there, they're going to say the only possible reason that they couldn't have gone up there is because they got sin and they're not worthy. Bless the Lord. Well, let me tell you something. If you're thinking that, why don't you just go back and sit with them? 
because you're not in the right spirit anyway. You got the spirit of gossip on you and jealousy and all that other stuff. So just you two go back to the back and have your little pity party. Listen, it's not about you being perfect. It's about you responding to this and giving honor to Jesus. And then we have to examine ourselves. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 28 tells us that we should look at ourselves and see if there's any unconfessed sin in our life. And if there is, we need to take care of it. You say, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I sin. Oh, we, all, we all have attitudes and actions that can create sinful patterns and attitudes in us. I've been serving the Lord a long time. I still sometimes wake up on the wrong side of the bed. The scripture says sometimes it can be as simple as to those who know to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. So when we come to the Lord's table, we have an opportunity to examine ourselves. Don't come up here and start looking over the crowd and saying, "Uh uh-huh, yeah. Who in the world do they think they are? Saw them smoking that cigarette the other day. You know what I've always said about them cigarettes. The church is not doing its job properly until the parking lot is full of them. (laughs) Amen. Because we ought to be reaching all kinds of people. See, I got over all that a long time ago. I got over about whether or not you smoke cigarettes and all that. Because I never could find it in the Bible. I never could find, do not smoke. I couldn't find that anywhere. So I changed my way of thinking and I just started saying, bless the Lord. All that matters is that we are saved and walking with him. and, and, And we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. Amen. But gives us an opportunity to examine our own lives and see if there are things that need to be placed under the blood of Jesus Christ. So we examine ourselves and then thirdly, we are to discern the Lord's body. What does that mean? Well, it means two things. Number one, it means that when we receive the the bread and receive the wine, we are to understand that this represents The body of Christ that was laid down. Nobody took it from him. Nobody killed him. He laid it down of his own will and accord. And it represents his body. But now the body of Christ is you. I am part of the body of Christ. Now I I hate to have to say this. But I'm going to tell you the body of Christ. Is not representing well right now. We're really not. We've been drawn in by the world into this political discussion. And it's bringing out the worst in some. It's bringing out this spirit of division. Let me tell you, it's so easy to hide behind keyboards and say things that don't need to be said. Now, there's a time to stand up. There's a time to stand strong. But if we're being divisive just for the sake of being divisive, then we're not representing Christ the way that he wants us to represent him. I know I didn't get any amens there, but I'm telling you what I just said is true. Some of you feeling down and discouraged and frustrated and upset, 
What you need to do is turn your TV off for a week or two and let this mess settle down and turn your Facebook off for a few days and find your way into your prayer closet and say, Lord, the things that need to fill my mind are, are not what the political people are saying or the media is saying, but Lord, what are you saying and speaking into my spirit today? It'll make all the difference in the world. And then we ask why. First of all, simply obedience. Jesus said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul said, he is quoting Jesus, excuse me, John chapter 14, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. We always want to remember the in remembrance of me, but we, we want to forget the part that it says, do this. Just do it. It's like Nike's got it right. Just do it. We're, we're to be obedient, and that's true in all aspects of our lives. We're to be gracious people, but I don't feel like being gracious. Just do it anyway. The Lord said to forgive those who have taken advantage of you, but I don't feel like forgiving. But do it anyway. Why? Because the Lord says to forgive. So well, I don't want to love my husband anymore. I don't want to love my wife anymore. Do it anyway, because it's the Lord's will. Be obedient. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. And why do we do it? Because number one, it proclaims his death. Listen, the world's never going to talk much about the death of Jesus Christ. They don't want to hear it. But it's our responsibility as the body of Christ to talk about his death. Let me tell you something. Jesus really did come. And Jesus really did live. And Jesus really did die. And Jesus really did rise again on the third day. And Jesus really is alive right now today. He really is seated at the right hand of the Father where he ever lives to make intercession for the saints of God. It really happened. It's really true. And the only people who are going to declare that properly are the people of God. And every time that we receive communion, we are declaring the death of our Savior. And then we are to remember Jesus. I like this. When I read this this week, it just, it just got all over me. He didn't say remember his death. He said proclaim the death. He said, but remember me. He said proclaim the death, but remember me. Listen, some of you need to start remembering Jesus. You need to start thinking about what he did. Stop thinking about the death. Stop thinking about the funeral. Stop thinking about all the negative stuff and start thinking about the good things that came into your life in Jesus and through Jesus. He's a good God. Amen. He is a wonderful Savior. And we need to start thinking about all the wonderful things that he has done for us. I remember in my life was I, I was on a path that was leading me to destruction. But Jesus got a hold of my life. Amen. I remember a time when I was looking and searching for direction in my life and I was trying to bargain my way out of God's will but Jesus got a hold of my life and got into my mind and into my spirit and straightened my path and directed my path. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. Some of you need to stop living out the funeral and start living out the resurrection in your life once again. I've never met so many tired people in all my life. 
I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. Hey, listen, I get tired too. But I'm not going to quit. I'm not gonna, I might lay down and take a nap every now and then. But I've got the power in the name of Jesus to do everything that he has called me to accomplish. The Lord's coming back again soon. I don't have time to take a toenail break. I've got to be taking every moment of every day to give all of my energies to him. Amen. Remember Jesus. Did you ever go to a funeral? And all they talk about was the cancer that they had. And all they talk about was a heart attack that they had. And all they talk about was the car accident that took their life. And all they talk about was, oh, poor little so-and-so and poor dad and poor mom and poor. You know, I like to go over and look at the pictures. I'm glad that they put pictures up there. I've already told my wife, I said, I promise you, if you put me in some casket... And let them fix my hair and put makeup on my face. And open that thing up for people to come by and say, bless his little heart. I said, I promise you I'll come back and haunt haunt you if it takes everything I've got. I say, you shut the lid on that thing and you find the best picture you can find of me. I know know they're few and far between, but find something where I look halfway decent and put it up there so that when people walk by, they don't come by and say, well, oh boy, that disease really kicked his butt. I want them to walk by and say, there lays a man who was full of the spirit of the Lord that he served, Jesus Christ. He was full of the Holy Ghost and power. He had Jesus in his life. I don't want people coming by and singing no funeral dirges over me. I want them to come by and celebrate the life of Jesus Christ that existed in me to the day that I died. Amen. Praise the Lord. I got to quit. And the last thing is, this causes us to be reminded that Jesus Christ is coming again. They say, oh, wait a minute, Pastor, you threw me off on that when I wasn't expecting that. Is that really part of the communion? Yeah. Yeah, listen. Listen to what Scripture says. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Woo! <laughs> I'm talking about his death now and what his death meant, but let me tell you something. There's coming a day when Jesus Christ is coming again. Oh yeah, he's going to step out on the eastern clouds and he's going to he's going to come the scripture says there will be the trump of God that will sound and the dead in Christ shall rise first and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them in the sky. He's coming again. Jesus is coming again. He's coming again. (laughs) Oh yeah. We're not defeated. We're not down and out. He may not come in my lifetime, 
They may have to put me in some grave somewhere for a period of time. But I'm telling you, there's going to come a day I'm not going to stay in that grave. They can lock that casket all they want to. They can put it six feet or deeper, and I don't care. When Jesus says, come out of that grave, uh, I am coming up out of that grave uh, to meet my Savior in the air. Ha-ha! <laughs> Woo! Glory! I wouldn't care if it happened today, church. I'm sick of this world and all that it has for me right now. This world has nothing to offer me that will satisfy me. I have one hope, and that is the hope that he's coming again. And if we don't have that hope, the scripture says we are of all men most miserable. Thank God we have the hope he's coming again. Man, Pastor, I didn't realize all that was wrapped up in the Eucharist. I didn't, I didn't realize all that was wrapped up in communion. Well, now you know. Like Paul Harvey used to say, and now you know the rest of the story. Eucharist is not just something you do at the church on Sundays. It's a mindset of thanksgiving that lives within you and spills out every day that you live. Participate in the Eucharist. Amen. Ushers, will you come? I want you to stay in your seats this morning right where you are. And they're going to come and they're going to serve you and your seats. When you get the elements, just receive them and hold on to them until everybody is served and then we'll We'll receive it together. How's that? Let's worship in song right now.
For some of you this morning, this will be the first time that you have received communion and you really knew all that goes into it. It's going to open up a new world for you knowing what all of this means. It's something that Jesus instituted and Jesus said do. And now we know and you'll never be able to be confronted or hear that word Eucharist again without knowing that what that means is I'm to live my life in the spirit of Christ, the spirit of thanksgiving, the spirit of joy. Today is going to open some new doors for you. I believe it. Jesus said in verse 16, I tell you, I will not eat until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. When he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among you. They're dividing the bread and the elements now. For I tell you that from now on, I'm not going to drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took the bread and when he had Eucharist, When he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Will you receive it? (laughs) And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Will you drink the cup now? of you may be thinking, thank God I got that over with. And now I can think about turkey and dressing. Listen to me. Some of you are about to go into an atmosphere where your family members and your friends are anything but supportive of you. I've been pastoring long enough to, to know that Thanksgiving and Christmas are two of the most hated holidays of the year for many people. Because to be with their family and to be in their environment is no fun for them whatsoever. Some of you will sit across a dining room table sometime this week from somebody who has abused you verbally or physically or in some other way and they're going to expect you to be civil and they're going to expect you to shine forth the love of Jesus Christ and you're not going to want to feel like doing it you're not 
Let me tell you something, and I didn't preach this, but it's just as real as everything else that I told you this morning. When they sat down at the Lord's table, they sat down with people that were absolute jerks. Think about Judas. Sold out the Lord Jesus for a little money. Think about Peter. Oh, no. No, everybody else might leave you, but I will never leave you. I, I will go to, to, to the deathbed with you. I'll never leave. And Jesus said, before the sun goes down, deny me who's going to be greatest in the kingdom will it be him will it be that's the kind of clowns that they were eating Thanksgiving dinner with and you know what they did you know how they handled it they did Eucharist Oh, Jesus, I thank you. And even though life has been hard, and even though I've grown up with a bunch of dummies in my family, and Lord, even though I've got a husband and a wife that I fell out of love with a long time ago, and even though I've got children that can't stand to be in the same room with each other, and Lord, even though I've got a job that I hate getting up and going to, Lord, I will not allow that to spoil me and who I am. Because I am the child of the Most High God. And I will Eucharist with you. And when that smart aleck takes the last turkey leg and looks at you and says nanny nanny boo boo and something inside of you rises up and says I'd like to punch you right in the mouth just under your breath say I Eucharist you in Jesus name and when somebody else says something about your political choices they start getting ready to drag you into it. Just say, in the name of Jesus, I Eucharist. Woo. Go sit in the corner and Eucharist. You've been sitting over there by yourself and people say, what are you doing? I'm just Eucharisting, baby. In the name of Jesus. Be thankful. Be thankful. Whatever you're doing this week, I pray the spirit of Eucharist will rest upon you. Father, thank you for these lovely people that you allow me to shepherd from week to week. I get it. This was strange today. I, I know that people go home today and say, I like it better when he shouts and screams and spits. Lord, this was something we needed to hear today. And I pray that your people will receive it. And they will apply the truth of Eucharist to their lives this week.
In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, I Eucharist.